0: Welcome to a very special Christmas episode of Something to Eat and Something to Read. I am Sophie Hanson. I'm a food writer living on a farm just outside of Orange, New South Wales. And I'm here as always with my wonderful co-host, bibliotherapist, psychotherapist, Jermaine Lees in Sydney. Hi, Jermaine. Are you feeling Christmassy?
1: Hi, Sophie. Well, I was just thinking this time last year, we were sitting in a garden Mm -hmm. on a very warm uh summer's day in sydney doing our christmas episode live and now i'm sitting inside with washing on the line and it's raining <laughs> outside here and i have a cup of tea yeah very different so yeah it's a different start yes. to the christmas season well which is why i, I think we
0: need today's episode more than ever and the doorways to christmas that i hope it's going to open for us and our lovely listeners because for me, as I've said many times, Christmas is all about ritual and repetition, which is what kind of makes it such a comfort. So I always think of things like mince tarts and the glass of bubbles on a random Tuesday night in December, the Descant, my favourite hymn, Heart of the Herald Angels Sing, finding a tree on the farm to bring in to the house and dress while we eat our cherries, making a wish while we stir the cake all the end of school ceremonies, followed by dinners outside, all those things. The Advent period, we talked about this in our live episode last year, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. So for this year, it starts on Sunday, December the 3rd and runs right through to Christmas Eve. And it's my absolute favorite time of the year. Uh, thanks mostly to the doorways that the, the books that we're talking about today open up for me. And I know, Jermaine, you're going to share some of yours as well and the rituals and the festive moments and, our patron saint of Christmas here in the podcast, I'm naming as Jeanette Winterson, <laughs> mm-hmm. who writes in Christmas Days, um, <laughs> which is a book that you brought into my world and I have now recommended to so many people. She writes, I know Christmas (laughs) has become a cynical retail hijack, but it is up to us all individually and collectively to object to that. Christmas is celebrated across the world by people of all religions and none. It is a joining together, a putting aside of differences. In pagan and Roman times, it was a celebration of the power of light and the cooperation of nature in human life. And I absolutely love that. Don't we need that more than ever right now? So what's it, what are your thoughts about our wonderful uh, pension sage Jeanette? I know that you're a big fan of her book. Is that your main doorway into Christmas,
1: Jermaine? Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. And I do find, though, each year it's something different about her book or a different story or a funny, you know, you've reminded me by saying um, that her rituals around, you know, the glass of champagne mm-hmm. or the mince tarts, which I know is your ritual, but also yes, hers, yeah. isn't it? That she'll do have always sort of been the most comforting, in getting me into that festive spirit. But I guess my lead up to Christmas this year, well, I think this year has just felt very um discombobulating for me because I've, you know, the second child's just finished school. It feels like I'm moving into a very different stage of life. And this Christmas, we're actually not going to be in Australia for the first time. In my children's lives, and so it's got a very different feel about the build-up to it. And I, and as I said earlier, you know, even with this weather, I sort of just can't believe—gosh, it's December next week. But when I read, reread this book last week, the story that really captured me and stayed with me was actually her first short story in here, "The Spirit of Christmas," about the couple who are packing mm-hmm. the car to go and have Christmas in the cottage mm-hmm. in the country, and then. They meet the spirit of Christmas. What it was for me this year, I think, was um, which I hadn't really picked up before, is how the male partner in that story—he's actually the one who goes through this huge transformation of letting go of a lot of his fear and um, learning something new about himself—and it sort of sets. You get the feeling that that's going to set him and his partner on this different course in life in their. In their relationship, I guess my year, you know this is the end of my years so of being filled with you know sitting with people in psychotherapy who where those sorts of reflections or blind spots are kind of seen and then new ways of living and being can evolve and I just really enjoyed reading that set in a story where there's sort of this magical element as well of sort of being forced out of your mm. usual patterns. Actually, maybe that's it. Being forced out of the usual patterns and doorways of Christmas and being forced into new ones, maybe that's how I feel more about Christmas this year. Yeah, but um, it never ceases to amaze me that each year there is a, I feel like I'm reading her stories. Yeah, and and as you say, you always lean into one
0: more than others. And I haven't reread, but I've been re-listening because, um, and this is not an ad, but if you do have an Audible account, it's one of the free books to listen to. So you can just (laughs) pop in and out of it anytime. That's my big luxury is my Audible account because I listen to so many books. But anyway, I've been listening to her read, read the stories herself in her inimitable way. I just, I I really love that um, Christmas Tide, the very first introduction, you know, where she writes about christmas cooking and christmas mm. stories and and she, for her cooking is just such a big part of it of christmas time and the joy of christmas and i'm just trying to find that oh when she talks about how we all worry about christmas cooking and i think i might have read this last year but i'm going to repeat myself she's saying how Cooking um, has become a lot like cycling, by which I mean people used to pop out on their bikes and now everyone has to wear lycra and goggles and beat their own speed and distance record. Cooking at home is not an Olympic sport. Cooking is an everyday, ordinary miracle. And I love, I think we've just got to remember that, especially at Christmas, because people can get stressed about feeding people and cooking and thinking they need to have mm. all the whiz gear and everything. You just need your hands and a bowl and a bit of time and take a, a leaf out of Saint Winterson's book, <laughs> and just not worry too much, and just just do the cooking <laughs> and enjoy it. So that's the one I always reach for. Is that first one? I always love that, particularly this year. So let's yeah. get into it. What's your first book? Because oh, I should have mentioned we're actually we've got two books each that we're going to talk about today that that are, mm. I guess are doorways into Christmas or a way of thinking about Christmas. So what's yours? Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, and actually, I was thinking that they didn't really connect up to Jeanette, but I've just Ah, realised I have a link (laughs) back to Jeanette. I went to see her speak. Actually, it was the Vivid Festival. They brought her out. She was at the Sydney Town Hall earlier this year, and she was talking about the importance of creativity and how creative minds are going to be what helps us solve all these world Mm. problems rather than technological Mm. minds, you know, that we need the creative problem-solving and thinking and imagination to to help move us forward that's just came to me because to preface my book choices I um read an article a few weekends ago in the Herald by Malcolm Knox I don't know if you saw mm. this article about how older Australians are mm. no longer reading I found it very upsetting actually that Australia is undergoing one of the sharpest declines in reading in mm. the developed world and um the fastest growing rate of non-readers are older adults so a third of retirement age Australians now really? never read a book at all. I would have thought you know, it the you younger know. ones who are not reading so much. It's shocking, isn't it? I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, yeah, he makes the point that everyone worries about mm-hmm. the younger ones, aren't interested in reading and are only interested in their phones. But actually it seems to be similar with, well, it's a, it's a human problem now, isn't it, that old we all get distracted mm. by phones and other kinds of media. and. It was amazing to read that um, in Europe that this is obviously a worldwide issue, but unlike in Australia where they're doing nothing, in Germany when you turn 18 from this year, you get given 200 euros as a culture pass, which you can spend on theatre, music, wow. film or books. And in Italy, Spain and France, it goes up to 500 euros that you can spend on <laughs> these cultural my events. my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> I know because you can spend it on going to like a live music concert or on. I think they, they, um, there was a concern that it might be spent on like video games. So there's like a cap limit you can spend there, but you can spend more on actual Mm -hmm. books or, yeah, live music or theatre, which then just makes me think about what Jeanette's saying about the need for, we need to keep maintaining Mm. this cultural, creative. Process happening and and you know Matt Haig the author Matt Haig in one of his books the humans I re- always remember this quote humans are lost and that is why they invented art books music films plays painting and sculpture they invented them as bridges back to themselves back to who they are is exactly what that article I suppose mm. what might we lose if we lose those bridges mm. back to who we are and Esther Perel a psychotherapist said in an article recently that without fiction you can become less adept at dealing with the idiosyncrasies and inconsistencies of other human beings. Again, I don't know, this is just I feel this very strongly that these are all bridges to help mm. us tap into our humanity and, and live richer and fuller lives. And this is the whole point of this podcast, isn't it, is that the, the comfort
0: and joy of mm having something good to read and eat. I saw a meme on Instagram recently that I sent to my little family chat group, which was someone saying how basically when you're reading in public alone, it is always going to be a performative act. (laughs) I think I do not agree with it. I was in Melbourne. There are people, you know, being not reading so much and always on their phones. I was in Melbourne recently for work and I went out for a glass of wine on my own. I was sitting in this beautiful wine bar with my book and my wine glass and I was like, oh, my God, am I being performative? (laughs) <laughs> book and I was like oh I'm so <laughs> smug I'm sitting here reading a book not on my phone but obviously you know I was just enjoying my book but I did take a photo and send it to the chat group like here I am sitting in a bar being performative reading my book. On my <laughs> but you know even the fact that those memes are going around that that the act of reading a book on your own in public is is something noteworthy mm. or worthy of a meme in itself I guess is kind of terrifying because it's such a normal thing to do you would think for any of us
1: um anyway we digress tell me about your book yeah <laughs> sorry I do digress but I do think these thoughts are kind of what's pulled me towards my Christmas doorway <laughs> books I suppose because you know there's that other thing around this time of year where people say that they don't have time and I, I get it you yeah. don't have time to read or you know you can only read a few lines before falling asleep at night just as the Ex, not just with Christmas preparation, but just the exhaustion of the end of the year. But I or people will say they need to save up their reading mm-hmm. for the January holidays. But actually, I think it is possible when you think about. Or, or I've had people say to me, "Well, I read long form essays on my phone, or I, you know, I'm always reading articles. I'm mm-hmm. just not reading fiction because it's you know it's too long. It takes too much time. And actually." recently I've come across books that are, don't take that long to read or are, are done quite differently and and this one I just found recently which I have read over the last couple of days which I've completely loved is called Heating and Cooling 52 Micro Memoirs by Beth Ann Fennelly. It's a it's a memoir about health, about life in general but key moments in life and I think it it's just um, a book that's kind of reminds and reassures us about the pleasure and pain of being human and I think it's so effective in so short words because she's actually a poet and I don't I've read a few um, memoirs or books now by poets written in prose not poetry and they just seem to be able to use the least amount of words to convey the most mm. depth so you can something that takes you you know half a page to read has you thinking for ages afterwards or, or really stays with you i don't know if you read maggie smith's beautiful memoir um you can make this place beautiful i haven't but it's actually uh, on my bedside table um, about- and i subscribe to her
0: substack and i oh. love maggie smith and i actually was listening she wrote a she put together a playlist on spotify um with the name of her book as its title yeah that she was her reading uh, writing music and so I'm very aware of who you're talking about but I haven't read her book yet which I'm uh, I'm looking forward to
1: I'll do and let me know what how you find it I thought it was brilliant again it's mm-hmm. very quick to read because she her chapters are a page or half a page or there's a mm-hmm. rhythm to them it's very yeah beautifully done Bethann Fenelly's little book of memoirs is lighter than that. Like, she is not um, some huge life changing event that she's gone through. It's just the normal everydayness of life. And I thought I'd just quickly Please. read one because they're that short. Oh, I could read you one. Okay, I'm going to read this one. One doesn't always wish to converse on airplanes. But this tanned, fit couple, white sweated like tennis pros, seemed eager to talk. So we talked. No, their final destination wasn't Denver. They'd continue to Hawaii after the layover. How awesome, I said. Hawaii? Is it a special occasion? An anniversary? They grinned at each other, like, you tell her. No, you. Their thing, it turned out, was scuba diving with metal detectors. They dove at popular honeymoon spots at Oahu because they said the first time those rich Japanese brides hit the water, their new diamonds slid right off. The couple said they didn't always find a ring, but overall they'd found enough to fund their vacations. That's wow, I said. They grinned at each other again and took a sip from their Bloody Marys. Then she gave his biceps a squeeze. Her diamond ring broadcast sequence of light on the tray table. I envisioned how, after netting a big rock, they'd perform exceedingly athletic hotel sex. Their avarice was so unabashed that it was difficult to keep despising them But I, large of righteousness and small of diamond, persevered all the way to Denver. I like that.
0: Good. And so that's one whole sort of story, is it? That's one whole chapter.
1: That's one chapter. Just So they're all little snapshots. And backwards and forwards in time or childhood, her married life, her reflections on, um, like, here's one other one. I come from a long line of modest achievers. I'm fond of recalling how my mother is fond of recalling how my great grandfather was the very first person to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge on the second day. I love that. And also, that's so So short, isn't it? And you could easily sit there with your
0: glass of bubbles or tea and a little mince tart and carve out five minutes when you've
1: read something. Not performatively, but you've read something. Yep. And if you want to escape from. <laughs> and if you want to escape from the Christmas planning or sure. that kind of thing, but need a yeah. bit of time for yourself, you're still yeah, able okay, to read I like something.
0: It. And what's it, it what's the name of the book time. again?
1: Heating and cooling. There is a story in there on heating okay. and cooling in the air conditioner. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so heating and cooling, 52 micro memoirs, Beth Ann Fennelly. Actually Anne Patchett, oh, yeah, our, other our friend, friend <laughs> is quoted in Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She writes, each entry is both insightful and precise, a perfect pearl of memory. By marking out these 52 moments, she draws a portrait of a life that is deeply felt and fully Oh, great. Awake. Okay. Which is yes. a great way to describe it. That's such a good
0: uh, recommendation for this time of year. I think when even a long-form essay on your phone sounds to me a bit like homework, you know, I can just pick something up and, mm. and have, have read, accomplished something too. Like, Fiction, I've read that. yes unit of work well mine is for yeah. Christmas my my first book recommendation well it's not really a recommendation it's just a, something I love and I bring out every Christmas and it's Nigel Slater of course the Christmas Chronicles and actually my two mm. Christmas books they're both themselves really beautiful like I'm just looking now they've both got cloth covers there's gold it's they're just a real treat and I kind of pull them out at this time of year and dig into them And, you know, we all know Nigel um, Slater has an incredible way with words, but his love of Christmas I really appreciate and and how he leans into it from the beginning of Mm. November. You know, in the chapter on the Christmas cake, I just want to read where he talks about this. So on the 25th of November he's finally making the cake and he says, there is magic in a Christmas cake, the deep snowdrifts of white icing, the sprig of pagan holly, the crunch of bread knife on crisp frosting, followed by the soft sigh as you slice through the almond marzipan and richly freckled fruit beneath. And what a cake. The butterscotch notes of the soft crumbs, the dense huddle of currants, sultanas and sticky cherries. And there's always the temptation to clean the last few crumbs from your plate with your finger. When you offer a slice of Christmas cake, you are handing mm-hmm. over a box of jewels, the dried fruits that first came here with the Venetian traders, soaked in brandy and spices from the Orient, an edible version of the gifts of the three wise men offered to the infant. Or, if you prefer, think of it as just a piece of fruit cake. Your call. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I know some people might be rolling their eyes and go, "Come on, so if it's just a cake, but..." You know, it's it's a ritual and, and it to me mm. the idea of a Christmas cake is something mum used to always do the full Christmas cake and we'd stir it and we'd take it in turns and make a wish and then all of kind of January there'd be this huge cake that would slowly be reducing in size over the days we'd be in our beach holiday and, you know, mm. I just have such fond memories of, of the family just having a bit of fruitcake with some cherries over a game, you know, when we're coming from the beach or whatever. Mm. So. Even though my um, interpretation of this is very southern hemisphere in midsummer and this his book is very wintry, I still, I just enjoy it so much. And and he, he writes about, you know, candles, and I'm a big one for lighting candles all year, especially this time of year. He, he, he writes, candlelight has the extraordinary ability to make any meal into a special occasion, even when it's simply a bowl of soup and some bread and cheese. The light it gives welcomes and warms, soothes and calms, Faces glow, details are accentuated, our lines, scars and wrinkles are more beautiful than ever. And I just think when I pick this book up and read any page, Mm. there's a little suggestion like that, a reminder to light a candle or to Mm. put half a day aside to make a cake or whatever it might be because they're things that bring me so much joy and they're within reach of all of us. Even now when, you know, life's crazy and it's expensive and scary, we can light a candle or make a cake or so i I that's why I always reach for this book at this time of year and just open a page and just read it and fall asleep. <laughs> but um,
1: it's just a reminder. I think um also what is so um special about that is you're using all your senses, mm. like when you talked about loving looking at mm. the cover or the feel of the cloth cover or the weight of the book, and then even though he's talking about wintry northern hemisphere. Christmas it's brought up in you all these memories of cherries and sand and sun and beach and Mm. it's this portal into your own Christmas memories and that's just as important as the words on the page and I'm so interested in everybody's
0: doorways into Christmas because we all have different ones and and for some Christmas is not a time Mm. of joy I, I totally get that and Uh, um and that's another reason though why I love Jeanette's book is because she didn't have a particularly happy or easy childhood but Christmas was always a time where there was a bit of joy in the house and she sort of picked that up and Mm -hmm. run with it and even if it's you're just on your own having a mince tart listening to the carols like she does every Christmas Eve that's a doorway I just Mm -hmm. I think it's so nice to remember that this is a time of year that no matter what's happening there's always a little door you can open and just have a moment of calm and hopefully peace no matter what's happening maybe <laughs>
1: yeah and i think yeah it's, like mm. it's not prescriptive like it, it's totally yeah your own doorway. yeah
0: um so yeah. even though you're away this year what is is what is one of your doorways maybe reading one of these books or do you is there another doorway that you always reach for at this time of year into christmas
1: I think actually, yeah, yes, I do. I have found that Jeanette Winderson book is really helpful. I mean, I haven't done it this year, but it used to be a short piece of shortbread oh, and a right. cup of tea while reading one of the stories yes. I did for a while. Actually, probably this year it's felt a bit more Christmassy, catching up with friends just for afternoon drinks and nibbles that doesn't feel particularly Christmassy, but it's something about reconnecting mm. before mm-hmm. going away. It's felt slightly festive yeah. in that way. I guess my door, actually like what you're saying about how things, how how your doorways can change because I guess that's that's felt really strong this year that family life will change, this letting go of, you know, teenagers into young adults and I guess which means having different doorways to how Christmas will look or feel or how or, or the things that will stay the same and the things that mm. will change perhaps. So perhaps maybe more this year The Doorway has been about finding time on my own to read or to have some of that mm-hmm. space yeah. and time. And it, it is changing all the time, isn't it? For us, going and getting the tree has always
0: been a big moment in the Christmas, beginning of the, you know, 1st of December. Mm. But um, my daughter's away at school and she's not back until the 11th. I'm just really torn because I'm desperate to get the tree up, but it doesn't feel right to do it without the four of us. But I'm not quite sure she minds that much. (laughs) I think she'd be like, Mum, just put the tree up. I don't care. Yeah, so I'm kind of in that phase two of kind of adjusting the traditions and maybe it's just going to be me putting the tree up. I'm
1: not sure. But it's just constant change, isn't it? That's the one thing we can rely on. Yes, that's right, the different rhythms of each year and how, and how it doesn't have to be the same for it to be happy or, you know, the difference can actually and the adjusting to it can be part of the the fun, yeah, making new rituals. What's mm. your next book? Well, my next book, I, I definitely have been on much more of a uh, bibliotherapeutic kind of bend, obviously, sure. the last few yeah. weeks. And this book just kind of fell across my lap. I just saw it actually in a bookshop and I couldn't resist the title what you are looking for is in the <laughs> library. And I don't know if you've heard about that. It's, it's a Japanese, uh, written by a Japanese author, tra- and uh, Mishiko Aoyama, and it was translated by Alison Watts and it was a bestseller in Japan apparently. I don't know if you've read much Japanese fiction, but it's got, I find it has a very different tone and rhythm. They're quite gentle, a bit whimsical, the books I've yes. read. This one... Yeah, I did find extremely gentle and very um, transportive, actually. It's broken into five chapters, and in each chapter we meet a person who's struggling with some questions about their lives or they're at some kind of crossroads. They're almost like, you know, short stories, except they all end up going to the local library and meeting the librarian there who's quite a character in herself, and she always asks what they're searching for. They might not say their existential dilemma that they're kind of searching for, but she somehow gives them a list of books and there's always one book on the list that seems to have nothing to do with the question they asked and they're quite so sort of perplexed by it. And then they read it and the results like a wonderful example of how bibliotherapy kind of works, you know, the right book at the right time that gives you a whole new perspective on your own life. One of the stories she says to the person, it's nice to know that I was able to connect you with a book you not only wanted to read but want to have with you always. Yes, I want to try and change thanks to this book. A broad smile lit Ms. Kamachi's face. You may say it was a book but it's how you read a book that is most valuable rather than any power it might have itself, Mm -hmm. which is so true because, you know, as I found reading Christmas Days again, you can read Depending on when you read the book, something's going to stick out and make you think in a a new way. And that then reminded me of a great book that maybe we should do for the pod one episode next year on the podcast. It's a book called Light Years by James Salter. I think it was written in the 70s actually. It's all about a marriage and a family over the years and a lot of it's based around dinner parties, meals at the kitchen table, so it might be a good one for us. There's a beautiful quote in that about the importance of reading, like what I was saying in the beginning. The book was in her lap. She read no further. The power to change one's life came from a paragraph, a lone remark. The polished sentences had arrived, it seemed, like so many other things at just the right time. How can we imagine what our lives should be without the illumination of the lives of others? I love that. So that's from The Light Years, that quote. So I think that's my Christmas yeah. wish book by James Salter. Not mm. to be confused with our The Light Years by Elizabeth Jane series. Howard that we've done. This novel's just oh. called Light Years by James Salter. Yeah, that's a great quote. We, we'll have to share um, that
0: more widely and I'll think about it too. Your recommendation made me think of a book I'm also currently reading right now called The Kamagawa Food Detectives, which is another Japanese Book and it's oh. kind of like recipe therapy, not bibliotherapy. It's a book about this father and daughter who have a small diner in um, uh, Kyoto and people come in and they explain a dish that they want them to recreate and the story behind it and then they go off and they're food detectives so they recreate oh. it perfectly and then give you know that person the recipe and they cook it for them. And it's really sweet. And as you were just saying, it's really quite whimsical and a little mm. bit childlike but in the best possible way like the writing is just so beautiful mm-hmm. anyway and it's a really thin little book it's great so i'll pop a link to that in as well but yeah, yeah it's it sweet. it's um, yeah. it's a, maybe a little bit like yours but in terms of food rather than the book actually as i was reading i was thinking it'd be a good one mm. for us to do in the podcast as well <laughs> um maybe next year
1: my christmas wish for all our listeners as uh, you know, to make that mm. time to read and really immerse yourself in it and enjoy it. And I guess we're we're in a bit of an echo chamber as all our listeners love reading, <laughs> which is why they're here, isn't it? But nice reminder that let's not Yeah, read. and
0: even, you know, all of us who love reading, we we can especially at this time of year, fall into just watching something not great on telly or whatever just because you're tired or mm. the idea of going into the other room and, and just reading a book you don't always think to do it and but when you do it's it's so well you know you you've, I just feel so much calmer and like I've really had a little mini break when I've done that so I don't know why we we get we fall into habits don't we so we've got to make make that habit of reading more well so my last book and our last book for this episode is another cookbook of course and it's Anya Dunk's Advent book which is another truly beautiful Anya. book that she photographed and illustrated with lino cuts throughout which are just so beautiful and and mm. like the Christmas Chronicles it's a real doorway for me because it's also at this time of year when I'm trying to think about what I might like to cook and take because we never host Christmas in our family. Like Tim and I never really get to host Christmas because we go to families who have bigger houses, etc. And So I'm always yeah. thinking about what can I bring or take. And I love in this book how it's just one big celebration of baking tradition. And it's German. Like it, Anya is German, so it's very much that kind of Northern European tradition which... I feel quite aligned to because of my mum's Danish heritage. But I love the idea, Mm -hmm. and I've spoken about this before, of Buntatela, which is basically a plate of biscuits. And the idea is that you make a series of biscuits through Advent. And then when people come over for coffee, you can make a really beautiful plate with some chockeys and light a candle and have coffee and biscuits. And I just think what a lovely thing to do, you know? And, or if you're going to someone's house, you can give them a little jar of bickies and some chokkis, or it's just so joyful. And as she says, a teller is much, is as much about the sentiment of coming together around a table to rejoice in life, light, and friendship as it is about good biscuits, which I think, you know, as you were saying before, you've just loved catching up with some friends recently um, for coffee or whatever. And I think at this time of year, making the time it doesn't have to be a big Christmas party, you can just have a friend over for. A biscuit and a coffee, or whatever. Mm. And then there's a whole other chapter in here about Advent breakfasts, which is another German tradition. And I won't try and pronounce the word because I, I would get it wrong. But every Sunday of the Advent period, you know, it's a real tradition in her family, at least, to have a really special breakfast, you know, homemade rolls and jams and mm. cured meats and cheeses and light a candle. And what a beautiful way to start a Sunday in December. You know, everyone's gone by whenever, you know, you've got the whole day ahead, but you've had this beautiful festive catch-up so again it's just another book that kind of gives me ideas for things to make and things to do and little occasions to celebrate that aren't just about the 25th of December it's the whole period the doorways Mm.
1: again isn't it that you're not it's not all about that one day it's about these festive yeah, festive openings um, that go on for the whole and month And that's what I love before. about this time. Like it's um, like it's too much pressure
0: to put on one day, you know, just thinking about Christmas Day, like the yeah. day itself. For me it's that whole period of December which which we can find little moments to celebrate every day if it's just with a mince tart or a biscuit or whatever it might be, five minutes to read to yourself. Mm. I think we just need these little, we need a bit more magic in our life.
1: And this is the time for it. This is the month for it. (laughs) Mm, That's true. And the magic, yes, as we're saying, like in Jeanette's stories and actually in that what you're looking for is in the library or in the book you're talking about, they have got that whimsy and Mm. magic, but they're actually saying something quite profound underneath it. Yeah,
0: which I think is a really nice Mm. um, lead into Christmas for all of us. And I hope um, if people are listening to this, around the time when it comes out, which is right before that first Sunday of Advent, maybe it will give you guys some ideas of things to bake or do or little moments to carve out and and mark for this month ahead. You will be away, Jermaine, and then we will be back in early next year with a whole new set of books to talk about. We will be. We may already have. To, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that that might bring us to the end of our semi-mini episode. Thank you, as always, to Chrissy Reading, our producer, who puts these podcasts together so beautifully. To our subscribers on Substack for your support, we really, really appreciate it. And I would like to acknowledge as well that I am recording this where I live and work on the land of the Wiradjuri people, and I want to pay my respect to Elders, past, present, future. To the Wadjuri Nation and all Indigenous peoples, and I want to thank you, Jermaine, for doing this podcast with me for another year because it's such a pleasure. I love doing <laughs> this with you. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, no, it's definitely a highlight of my month <laughs> recording this with you, too, Sophie, and just thinking more about books and and books and therapy together, and food and all those elements that enrich our lives and make us think more and understand ourselves more. And yeah, I, today I'm here um, recording this on Gadigal land. I also would like to pay my respects to Elders, past, present, and future. And I want to wish everyone a very restful time, you know, Christmas time and New Year time. And can't wait to be back talking about books and movies. And thank for you for more. your
0: recommendations. Those two books that I'm going to seek out for my summer holiday short that it's going to be but I'm planning on doing lots of reading so thank you for that Jermaine and Merry Christmas to you Merry Christmas to everybody and we'll see you next year